This is a GRDC podcast. I'm Sally Maguire, and welcome to this GRDC podcast. Hot finishes in Australia's northern region are resulting in lower chickpea quality and yield. In a bid to improve heat tolerance in chickpea, GRDC has funded research that builds on advances already made under the ARC Legumes for Sustainable Agriculture Hub. Professor Richard Trethowen is Director of the University of Sydney's Plant Breeding Institute in Narrabri, New South Wales, where he and his team are pursuing both genetic and agronomic solutions to improve the heat tolerance of chickpeas. To find out more, I caught up with Professor Trethowen and his colleague, Dr Angela Patterson. Richard, what do we mean when we talk about heat-tolerant chickpeas? What traits are you looking for? Oh, thanks, Sally. We have a research program here targeting high temperature tolerance in chickpea, and we all know that the climate is changing. It's becoming more variable. We see that in all parts of life, and our grain growers also see it. Now, we've got a La Nina event at the moment and have had over the last few years or last couple of years, but when we get back to normal weather patterns, we're going to see those elevated temperatures again. And when you look at the temperature records over the last 20 years, they're becoming more variable and we're getting real spikes in temperature during crop growth. So our research is focusing on developing chickpea germplasm with high temperature tolerance. So we scan the world for diversity that we need. We cross that into adapted backgrounds and create let's say, halfway products or pre-breeding products that a chickpea breeder would want to use in their program. At the same time, we run a genetics program alongside. And here, we're trying to understand the mechanisms of heat tolerance and find molecular markers linked to that heat tolerance so that the breeder not only gets a packet of seed, but they get the molecular tools that they need to be able to reassemble that in a commercial cultivar that our grain growers can use. So we're looking at a range of traits. Uh, We look at yield, most certainly. We look at grain characteristics, grain appearance. We do look at impacts of high temperature on floral biology, on potting, on seed set, on seed growth. Uh, All of these traits are important in producing a product that will market, because it's not just about yield and productivity. It's about producing a product that the market wants. And it has to be unblemished and saleable. And let's face it, most of our chickpeas are exported. So it has to be suitable for our export markets. Indeed. So Angela, talk me through some of the research methodology. It sounds like you've got extensive trials out here. What sort of things are you doing to try and accomplish those outcomes? The step one is looking at some sources of heat tolerant genes. So we go to hot and dry places around the world and places like India, Um, the Middle East and even over at Mexico and try and find plants that do well under hot conditions. Then step two is bring them to Australia and then see how they grow under our conditions, the type of heat we have, what time of year it is, how prolonged it is, etc. And then of the best ones, we cross them to Australian cultivars. So then step three is look at the offspring of these cultivars in the field and be able to pick the best of the best and grow them over several generations and check that they really are doing well and then they get sent off to breeders to create the new cultivars for growers. So what lines are you trialling at the moment? So there's several lines that came in from ICRASAT in particular that are of interest because they did some heat tolerance trials in India as well 
and found which ones did well under those conditions. So we picked some of those in particular for our crosses. And they've had some of the most promising results, been very interesting. And these were tested in both summer and winter, not because the growers will be growing these in summer, but because we need to make sure they get tested under really extreme heat conditions. So we test them agronomically in winter to see if they have the correct phenology. They finish up on time, the seed quality is okay, and obviously the yields are normal conditions. And then we make sure we do a test under hot conditions. Do they still perform okay? Even if the yield is not what you would expect, because obviously it's in summer, are they still able to set seed and be fertile under extreme heat? And so you've got really large-scale trials going on. Talk to me about the challenges of large-scale trials and also the innovative technology that you're using out here. It is difficult to manage large-scale trials. That's certainly the case. We do like to screen as many materials as we can in the field because we believe that if you can see the trait in the field, then you'll eventually see it in the greenhouse when you're conducting more intensive studies to try and understand the mechanisms of heat tolerance. And when you're in the field environment, you are open to the vagaries of the weather and you don't, as Angela said, always get the high temperature at the right time of year. So that is one of the problems. And we have different dates of planting to try and overcome that. So at least one of those dates of planting will be at a critical stage of development when we have a heat shock because that's when we can optimise our measurements. Now, with so many plots out there in the field, it's very hard to run around and score them in real time, particularly when you're trying to understand the physiological response of plants to high temperature. And one of the key characteristics that we look for is canopy temperature. So the cooler the canopy temperature is, that plant is better managing the heat load. We used to run around with handheld sensors and our students would get very tired doing that and there'd be lots of error in the data. So we use drones these days and thermal cameras that we capture other images using drones as well. But that allows us to get a snapshot in time, a comparative snapshot of all the materials together at the same time. And these technologies have really helped us get a better sense of what's happening. Angela, can you please explain about how you use the heat chambers for the chickpea trials? We put on some heat chambers in the field in September to give a heat shock for the chickpeas, so basically four degrees above ambient, which pushed the chickpeas into the mid-30s, really, for two weeks. And by being able to do this led us to conclude which of the cultivars or the breeding lines that we had um, were able to cope with the heat shock. And we had to do it for two weeks because chickpea is an indeterminate crop and it slowly produces its pods over time compared to wheat or something where most of them all come at once so you can do a shorter period of time. But by shocking that, not only did we shock them for the pollen, by doing it for two weeks, the whole plant really got stressed and that really gave us an insight into not just what happens to the pollen but what happens to the plant under high temperatures. And Angela, is there anything that surprised you about the research so far? The biggest surprise for me was actually seeing some of the chickpeas do really well under heat and some do really poorly. Basically, the difference between the good and the bad ones really surprised me. Most growers would think of chickpeas amongst legumes as one of the more tolerant legume crops that they can grow of heat, hence why chickpea tends to be more popular in the northern growing region. But even amongst chickpeas, there really is a big difference. Some you'll get no seed at all under the high temperatures and some you'll get a decent yield. So, Richard, chickpeas as a crop in Australia, what impact is the outcomes from this research going to have on our industry? We do live in a much more variable environment. We know that. 
and our crop breeders are dealing with that and doing a great job. They're using the diversity available to them. Our chickpea breeders are doing that. They have steadily improved adaptation and I think we have to recognise that. But all crop breeders, including chickpea breeders, need access to diversity. It's critical and they just do not have the time to be chasing that access. Angela talked about diversity from India and we've looked at other parts of the world as well to bring in that critical diversity. It's our job to tame it, if you like, to put that diversity into halfway products that a chickpea breeder would want to cross. So we see this research really contributing to the commercial pipeline of these chickpea breeding entities. And we see that they're going to have to produce those high tolerant cultivars for farmers. And we can help by doing this. We have developed some wonderful materials that I think would be really valuable. And these have come out of a joint program funded by the GADC and the ARC. And it has taken a little bit of time to work out the material transfer arrangements around that material. And I can say right now that we've just reached an agreement on that uh, intellectual property protection. And that material is now available to our chickpea breeders. So I envision them taking this material with all the data that we have available, including our genetic understanding, and they will be able to integrate that straight away into their breeding pipelines. So how long will it take before the, this diversity cycles through to our farming community? It's probably going to take a breeding cycle. So we're still looking at five plus years, really, but it's in the pipeline. It's there and we will see it. So then what is next for this research or are you really at those concluding stages? Oh, we're never at the concluding stages, Sally. There's always so much to do. And what we realised when we began this work is that there is a lot of diversity out there. But you say that chickpea has a relatively narrow genetic diversity and that's true. But there is still plenty of diversity out there in the world that we don't have here in Australia. And a lot of that diversity is associated with high temperature tolerance and better water use efficiency and other characteristics. And we see it as our job to continue to find it, to access it, and to cross it into these intermediate products. So that work will go on. How high can we push high temperature tolerance? We don't know yet. We do not know what the end game is, but we're well on the way. I think we're probably halfway there. And I think we've understood a lot more about how the plant responds to high temperature. And that physiological understanding is also critical to developing the tools that plant breeders can use going forward. That was Professor Richard Trethowen, Director of Sydney University's Plant Breeding Institute, and his colleague, Dr Angela Patterson, both speaking about the current GRDC-funded research into improving heat tolerance in chickpea. This has been a GRDC podcast. I'm Sally Maguire. Thanks for listening. <laughs>